anybody, anybody can do whatever they want. But if you choose a path, then you don't get to complain that you can't find a man. If you focus on your career, then you can't complain about wanting a man, a husband. You can't because you chose that. You chose your lifestyle. You chose your path in life. I do not know how to operate the laundry machine. When my wife said, oh, could you go put the laundry in? I have done it. I have had to ask her to guide me every step of the way. That is not something that comes naturally to me. Previously on We Met Online. Yeah, today we're going to be, how should I put this? I think like walking in the shallow end of the manosphere, we will be dabbling a little bit. Yeah, with a good guide that you put together of some iconic manosphereian posts. I am Nama Cates and you are? Catherine D. And We Met Online. Men are just so confident that like they they get it and women don't and that there's no yeah. flexibility for it. I mean, my question is like how do they explain like Serge Gainsbourg? You know, like it, it's just how do they explain countless countless Right, there's so many different, part, yeah. They, there's so many examples of it. And there's no they give you like no recourse to explain yourself or to offer counterexamples. Right. They'll say that's anecdotal as if this whole story is not. And then if you do name a celebrity who's very short or bald or not conventionally attractive, they'll say, well, you know, their status maxed and they're rich and they're this and that. It's like, well, yeah, but they became that because lots of people deemed them attractive or charismatic or whatever in many ways. It's um it's really hard to have conversations. I mean, I've also noticed, and like, this is going to get me in trouble. I know it is like in general. Um, and here's, here's a caveat that I'll give it, you know, it might just be because of the climate that we're, we're in and there's an overcorrection. But in general, if you are a woman who is in any way engaging in a space for men, a male only space. And again, caveat, I understand that we've eliminated male only spaces, this and that, whatever. I, you know, I understand the necessity of keeping these, the few spaces that exist pure, but there is so little room for disagreement, um, especially from women. It is it, it like, it can be the most mild pushback. It could be, I agree with you 90%. Here's 10% where I think you might want to rethink or tweak the context and you will get so like reamed. I mean, it's just, yeah, like, but that, I mean, I wouldn't even ever bother in any of those spaces to them. There's a whole machismo and posturing about a woman infiltrating and, you know, trying to poison their minds or whatever. And I mean, frankly, there's not a lot of room for pushback or disagreement, even from men or anyone. I know I've talked about this a million times, but I do feel like a lot of this intergender conflict exists because of women going into men's only spaces and, and vice versa and quote unquote eavesdropping on these conversations. But I mean, they do make it public. <laughs> it just, it seems like it's so damaging because so many incels, for instance, will talk about the hangups they have and the, the fears they have over the things that they've read in ostensibly women's only spaces where they just eviscerate men that they've been with or in places like FDS where they maybe talk about what they really want. These men have genuine fears that they'll be conned in some way or taken advantage of or just dismissed or made fun of. And, and the 
the opposite is true too. The women that go into the men's spaces, as you've demonstrated, it, it really does a number on their self-esteem. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and the internet complicates all of it too. Um, I, and I was actually just discussing this with um, a reader of mine this morning. I think like what makes these things even more loaded is that online, um, it's very easy for women to project attractiveness, even if they aren't in like actual fact attractive. And there's usually an assumption that a female poster is attractive and people project a certain register on their posts. So if anytime a woman is talking about her romantic life, there's this subconscious assumption that this is like a beautiful privileged woman. Yeah. Um, and the reverse is actually true of men. And it's a little bit more complex with men where it's like you one sort of subconsciously assume that he's not attractive, but that the hypothetical woman is like whatever hmm. woman that he's discussing. Can you give me an example of like a post or something that a man would say where that assumption would be? Would sure. Hurt? So, I mean, let's say there's like a, a hypothetical man on Twitter, for example, and say like many of his posts discuss, um, how he struggles with dating, not necessarily an incel or anything, just a regular guy. And one day he he tweets, uh, went on a dinner date with this girl, it didn't turn out great. For some reason, the underlying assumption from the reader tends to be, okay, this guy is average or even ugly. And the woman he just described this dinner date with is a knockout. Well, um, is, is that because the attitude from the poster himself is projecting that? No, at least when I was speaking with my reader, we were sort of just saying this in general, like certain things will change your perspective as you get to know the poster. But in this sort of anonymous space, the assumption is that like all men are, are ugly and all women are beautiful, mm. even it, like even if you've never seen their face. I, yeah, I definitely, that, that I, I'm thinking about incel spaces, of course. So obviously this applies there. Men always want women, bring women, bring women, please always assume that the women are hot and men want them and want to have sex with them. Whereas I think even in like real life, not just online, this is not true in the reverse. Much more rarely see like a group of women, like this has become a pastiche in movies and TV and stuff like that, that there are groups of lonely, sex-starved women who just bring bring on the men, just want to be around like a, a lot of men, but like it doesn't really play out in real life that much. Women don't really go to like male strip clubs, like that's not really a thing. So I think that's coming from the real world where men, maybe part of it being that they're less selective and women are more selective, like could it just be that? Um, I think that's part of it, but I also think that, and, and this is like a phenomenon that I've like noticed in a lot of like internet writing. I think I mentioned this in our um, We've Got Mail episode. You sort of accept certain things about people at face value in situations where like you can't see pictures of them. I don't really know why that is. I think it's just like a quality of like text-based spaces. Maybe it's like a it's a like an optimism that really hasn't been like clearly defined or articulated because there's been no need to. And and maybe a default because why why wouldn't you? Right. You just assume that all women are hot and all men are mid. And maybe it does just come from like a male hopefulness and like women aren't necessarily the latter, actually, maybe that's actually the reason. All men may not be voraciously sexual the way the latter suggests, but women are, you either want to fuck them or you don't, and you're fuckable until proven otherwise. And that's no, 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 why I think that's, I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's probably it's exactly what you were saying that like women just aren't like, there, there isn't like an underlying assumption I might want to fuck this guy. It's just a guy in space. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
That also, um, it makes me think about, you know how incels, other men too, are, are always bringing up the Tinder studies about ratings of attractiveness. I don't remember what it was exactly, but the graph shows that women rate something like only 20% of men as, as being like above a five or something like very, and, and much smaller than that as being like very attractive. Whereas for men, it's kind of more like a bell curve, even even with a, a fat tail on the low end. So that, that like there's men rate more women than half as being attractive, maybe a lot more. And it's kind of opposite for the way women rate men and men rate women. And incels use that to sort of suggest that, uh, well, they talk about hypergamy and they talk about, uh, you know, sub eight theory and stuff like that, how men have no chance because of women's pickiness. But there's that, I think he does evolutionary psychologist kind of stuff. One of these Austin guys, date psych guy, who's like always trying to debunk the black pill. He has some good points sometimes. Just that like, it's not really that women are more picky. It's that women are more attractive. <laughs> a lot of men like that. A lot of incels didn't really like that. And I would say that maybe a more nuanced explanation of that is just that women are better at curating themselves or projecting themselves in a way that is attractive to men, like because women are more familiar with the male gaze. Women maybe are conditioned from a very young age at how to be like sexy to men, whereas men are less so about how to present themselves to women. So there's all these like causes and explanations of some of this stuff. Ladder theory starts off in a very wry kind of mean, oh, here, I'm going to spit out some truth way at the beginning with the all women are whores and all that stuff. But then I was more kind of charmed by it, found it more endearing and more funny and a little bit softer as it went on. Me, me too. You know, the only one of these guys who I actually feel like is like real, like, I mean, Roosh upsets me, right? As, as we've learned, but, um, yeah. but the only one who has like this, I don't know if it's a mean streak, but this sort of unforgiving. All right. Yeah. And Dalrak's always been the one. And I don't know if it's like, maybe there's like a familiarity to it because there's something about Dalrak where he's actually not too different. Like if you have like boomer parents or conservative parents, it's not that different. You know what I mean? He's a little bit oh, more. It's, yeah. It's like somehow like the echo of like my mother's warnings in his posts. And like to, yeah. read, that, to read him as like, if you could imagine uh, listeners, you're like an insecure, like kind of chub, like <laughs> teenage girl. You feel very rejected. You're like kind of goth in a bad way. Your mom's kind of <laughs> old world. And then you encounter uh, a post like more grim news for carousellers. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Um, that's you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head about like your mother's grim warnings. Like yeah. Part of what just bothers me about it's like how dated and old fashioned and kind of like school marmish this is. Exactly. Like, but also like low key kind of right. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. But like it's it's kind of to me, it's it's um it's right in a way that like nobody really needs to be reminded. Like this is something this is also part of why it's infuriating, I think, is because this is something that like everybody is kind of aware of. You know what I mean? When people think about their futures, about dying alone, about mortality, about their families, nobody's really forgotten. And this is okay, this is I got it. <laughs> this is what infuriates me. Is it's so pedantic and this is someone who's regurgitating some very common sense wisdom or warnings in, in a sense, like something that, you know, you might be taught at Sunday school or in like really old school marmish type books. 
he's talking to people as if we're like a generation that has no clue about this and that's forgotten all about it. And we're all damned. And like, everybody's just waiting to get married. Like we'll get into this fucking post, but man, people are not just all, I I don't know. It's such a strange way to look at the world to me that everybody's really just waiting to get married and that like there's no such thing as like what life throws at you like divorce like people dying people have have families and not everybody's in this perpetual state of being a 20 year old virgin and like waiting to be married under god or else you know what's weird too i thought and i could be wrong and i'd be happy to be proven wrong about this but i feel like a lot of this type of commentator like is often talking about the importance of marriage without really showing what marriage is like. Um, or, you know, like they, I, I don't see a lot of like practical advice or like, you know, it's, it's, talk about right. It's like have marriage. children, have children. Okay. I, I have kids now what? And then it's like, it's right. constantly sort of lecturing people who are at the top of the funnel and it, it, exactly. could be, it, be, I mean, let's, you know, and again, listeners, if you're hearing this and you're like, well, what about so-and-so? I mean, you know, please, I'm, I, I'm, I welcome, I welcome the counterexample. I'm not trying to, to so do again, I. yeah, I don't want to shit on, on Christians or anything of the sort. I just, I haven't personally seen it and it might be my own blind spot, but you I know, just, I'm not, yeah, I'm not considering this shitting on Christians. I'm considering this shitting on Dalrock <laughs> on this particular strain of male influencer. Yeah. What I really like about, even if we don't necessarily agree with everything they say, a lot of the female writers in like adjacent spaces that are maybe like slightly more progressive, ironically, like women are thinking about are like reactionary feminists, is that they talk about the, they start at the top of the funnel, right? But they also are like, okay, now once you're a mother, here's the reality of like, suddenly you have to be embodied in this way that our very disembodied world didn't prepare you for. I mean, in like very specific things that I feel like, okay, great. Cause it's like, they assume that people will follow their advice or will, or life will throw yeah. certain things at them. And they offer like, now here's the rest of the worldview. And it's not just like a, well, you, you bad modern, you know, you're liberal. Yeah. Feminism. <laughs> right. The problem with, I think with a lot of the men that do it is that, you know, they're acting as if like, like in fairy tales and days of yore, marriage and having children, that's always the end of the fairy tale, right? Unless you're talking about the Disney sequels like Little Mermaid 2 back under the sea or whatever. They end with the marriage and like the child. Like that's where the story ends. And that's how a lot of young people, virgins, incels, unmarried people, whatever, see life and see the world as like it's all a quest and an adventure until you reach that point and then it's over and happily ever after. But like in reality today, when people are living well into their 20s, sometimes (laughs) even beyond. (laughs) And having children and, you know, life in modernity is complicated, no matter how trad you want to be, like life will come get you, you know, you're not actually in the longhouse. As much as you want to be, you're not because you can't be because that's not the age we live in. (laughs) And there's a lot of work for women to do and to have to worry about after they have children, you know, and you have to do it while you also have children. And you have to still keep doing it. So these men don't talk about what marriage is. They don't talk about what it means. They don't talk about like what a long-term relationship is. They don't talk about what having children or parenting is. They just talk about these women who are like putting it off and, and they have no sympathy for them. And it just disgusts me as someone who does have a child, a daughter to 
realize how much of life these men are overlooking and to think about like young men reading this and taking it literally and looking up to it. It's like, I'm sorry, but this is the year of our Lord 2023, not 1923. And you can't change that. So what are you going to do? What you're going to do is read this post. <laughs> let's, let's, so our, let's, uh, let's give yeah. our friend Darak a, a fair shake. So, yes. um, th- so this post is called More Grim News for Carousellers. Um, and it's from November 24th, 2012. Um, I wonder if that was Thanksgiving. <laughs> that would be really funny. I can imagine. Uh, your I, I probably dinner. was. <laughs> um, ever since my post in June, never, mar- never married's piling up. I've been curious about what the date, I've been curious what the data would look like for 2012. The U.S. Census has the data posted and I've updated the charts. I've also added two new charts at the end, which show the breakdown by race. As I shared previously, the first two charts are time series for white women going back to the last year I have easy access to data for, 1999. Here is a chart for ages 25 to 49. Okay, so percent of U.S. not white, non-Hispanic women nev- never married by year and age, uh, you know, 25 to 49. And so... Um, for the 25 to 29 year age bracket, it's it, it's up to 47.5%. Uh, for the 30 to 34 year age bracket, it it peaks at uh, 25.1%. And all and all of these are are trending upward, right? Not not yeah, not as dramatically as it might seem, but um, it's you know they they're all trending upward a little bit. Uh, 35 to 39, 15.4%. Uh, 40 to 44, 11.3, 45 to 49. Um, he doesn't actually say, but it's, it's, it's lower. It's lower than, than, than 10. Um, I left the 20 to 24 age bracket off the chart above because the never married rate for that group has been fairly flat the last few years and it changes the scale of the chart. However, I've created a version of the chart, including that age group for your data analysis pleasure. Gee, thanks. It will be a pleasure indeed. I'm going to go look at that right away, aren't you? <laughs> Here's a Zoom looking just at the 30 to 49 age groups. All right. So it, it, they, it, the, the age group that goes up the most is 30 to 34 years. So it starts at 17.5. Um, and by 2012, it's, 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 20, it's 25%. The rest go up like 3%. Right. Yeah. Like uh, uh, something else I want to point out that like, you know, I, I talked about Jesse single when we talked about some of the, uh, the studies that were being done about incels and like all this nonsense. He claims that it goes back to 1999 because that's the last year he had easy access to data for whatever that means. But like in actuality, these, these increments, these changes are really pretty small and you can calibrate this. Like maybe if you went back to 1997 it would take a dip down or something. And that's actually why he did this. So it's just like so easy to manipulate this. And he goes on to analyze such meaningless data. Uh, yeah, he doesn't, I don't think he says where, I mean, he might say somewhere else. He gets some of it from the US census. I. Yeah. It's unclear the, the full scope. My basic analysis of the data hasn't changed since my previous post, but the additional data reinforces that something very important is happening. More and more women continue to postpone marriage past their late 20s. And those who do so are finding it harder to marry in their 30s. The changes in the later age groups likely dramatic, dramatically understate the eventual impact of the existing choices because there is a delay before the changes in each age bracket fu- before they fully cascade into the older bracket. 
Note that the same situation exists between the early and late 30s brackets, which we saw with last year's data only more pronounced. The late 30s group has been increasing, even though the corresponding values for the same group five years earlier were constant. This indicates that marriage rates for women in their mid-30s have been declining over the last five years. Dude, you're making all this shit up. I mean, it's also interesting that it's like women postpone. I mean, you know, a data scientist wouldn't say that. I mean, not that he ever purports to be one, but... So the people who read him, like, read him, like, as if he is. Sure. At the same time, we see that women in their early 30s now are starting off with significantly lower marriage rates than just a few years ago. Putting this together, more women are ending up in their early 30s having not married, and fewer women are able to marry in their 30s. Note that the women currently in the 35 to 39 age bracket have a 15.4, excuse me, I'm so congested, have a 15.4% never married rate. When these same women were in the 30 to 34 age bracket five years ago, they had a never married rate of 18.5%. However, the women currently in the 30 to 34 age bracket have a much higher never married rate of 25.1%. It seems unlikely that today's early 30s women starting from this much higher number will be able to drop down to 15% in five years, especially (laughs) since we know the rate of marriage for that group has dropped considerably. They will probably be lucky to drop down to 20%. However, the cascade doesn't stop there. Today's early 30s women left their late 20s five years ago with higher marriage rates, 39.3% never married, than today's late 20s, 47.5% never married. Where this will eventually come... Well, like, just Some of these women are, are choosing to uh, you know, delay this, and then the next group of women aren't able to. Like, it's just so, you know... Right, and like, and they, maybe some of them are lesbians, maybe, I mean, maybe some yeah, of them are, like, cognitively dude, disabled. Of, I mean, there's like a whole... Of it, like, to drop down as if it's like, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, where this will eventually come to come to rest depends on too many variables to try to predict, but at the very least, we know that a significant amount of reduced marriage rates are already loaded into the system. It would take a very strong increase in later marriage rates to merely cause the values for women in their 30s and 40s to level off. As these changes become evident, it is very likely that we will see a power shift in the marriage market as a husband shortage for marriage delayers becomes obvious. The psychology of markets tends to revolve around fear and greed. The last 40 years, the marriage market has been characterized by greed on the part of the would-be brides and fear on the part of the would-be groom. This is why women have felt so comfortable making marriage a last priority behind education, career, and casual sex. All right, here's another one. The mythology that women are chasing dick, like... Yes, man. Like... And, I mean, okay. I, I think, like, I think what men don't understand is that, like, the proliferation of casual sex doesn't mean that women prefer it or are seeking Want it. it. Right. No. It's, um, I, I mean, it's sort of the tragedy is a lot of women have casual sex for, I mean, practically any reason but carnal desire, right? They, yeah, exactly. Uh, Often because they're hoping for um, right. They're, more they're, than that. It's a bargaining chip. Um, it's, yeah. it's to pass the time. It's because they were pressured. And that doesn't mean that it, it's rape or anything, but no. there's, a, there's like a social expectation. Right. Um, or because they feel lonely or, you know, it's, there's all sorts of stuff. It's self-esteem. It's, yeah. And, you know, it's not that women can't be horny or don't want sex. It's just like, I mean. Women don't often want sex with people without any emotions. They, they just don't. Like, that's just not the way most women experience pleasure. And I don't know exactly why I'm not an evolutionary psychologist. Um, 
and yeah, I don't have data about this, but like, I'm sorry, it's, it's just true, right? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to have like an explanation for why, but when you see depictions of women on TV, like just going out, like wanting to like sleep with random strangers, that's not real. And if it is like those women are, are exceptions, there are exceptions, of course. And then there are also women who feel like they should be doing that, but it's not usually what they want. The recent history of the marriage market can accurately be summed up as 40 years of ultimatums by women with men backing down in the face of each new ultimatum. (laughs) The nonchalance by women towards marriage has been misinterpreted by many as a lack of interest in marriage, but I believe that is reflective of an assumption that marriage will be theirs for the taking. So what is the rush? The statistics, I I know, and it's like, if you have any sort of complaint with this worldview, it's you're a radical feminist. I mean, it's just like, whatever. Anyway, so, I mean, the, 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 Okay. The statistics above tend to bear out the logic of this position. Young women look at their late 30s and early 40s aunts and see that all but a handful managed to marry. But I mean, like, managed. What, like, what is he talking about? All right. The same stats which explain their current level of comfort show why that comfort will soon be coming to an end. At some point, as more and more 30 something women find themselves unable to marry, the mood of marriage delays will turn from greed to fear. Instead of looking for reasons to reject men, they will focus more on holding on to the men they can get. This will be a change on the margins, but it will en- enough to be it will be enough to be noticeable. This will have a follow-on impact of changing the prevailing mood of late twenties and thirty-something men from fear to greed, as they notice the sudden embarrassment in SMP options. I was also interested in the breakdown of these figures by race. I focused on marriage rates for white women when looking at time series to simplify the analysis. I don't have the time to try. Oh, it's because it made your graphs go in a certain direction, but that's fine. I mean, I'm sure there's other reasons. Um, I don't have the time to chart out the different races year by year, but I have pulled together some- The time to write this whole bullshit post, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I have pulled together some snapshots showing the same basic data by race. Here's what it looked like in the year 2000. Um, Okay, so percent of women by race who have never married. Um, It's- uh, for black women, it's much higher. Is, I think his his point. Here's what it looks like now, and yes, right. all other races have caught up to black women. All right, um, edit. I've exported the spreadsheets to blah, okay, blah blah blah. Forget the forget the edit. Um, so I mean, it, this guy needs um, to put on a girdle and a corset, and and get his hair in some curlers and cover it up, and go sit, you know, uh, in the a little room in the attic and a rocking chair and like look out the window and like wag his finger at people and make it here's the thing with with uh with him i feel like not everything he's saying is bullshit but in a way the statistics actually undermine his point when i yeah they do and his interpretation of them is ridiculous it is and you know a lot of these men are speaking to a very specific cohort of women who do exist and you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to like gaslight anyone into thinking that they don't exist. But I think it would be, I don't, I think it's fine to have a very targeted audience or you know, a targeted group that you're describing. But make it clear because like those women do exist, but it's not every woman, and um, it's not necessarily a social contagion. Um, and yeah, it, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it might be like the the communities that are relevant to him, which is also fine. Um, 
but by generalizing it, it, it that's why he looks ridiculous like i think you know i don't want to completely tear him down so you know, what i want to say that is probably true is that for a minority of women there is an an arrogance and or if not an arrogance um a myopia where they don't prioritize sure they, they should be you know yes. like it it shouldn't be but that's a broader okay that's right. like a broader problem than like oh they assume marriage will be theirs for the taking like right it's like really what you're talking about is a broader problem of women because women do have um a biological clock having to make choices about career versus family you know am i going to live a, a lifestyle where i don't focus on this and like that's really what the problem that right I, I think- and that's that's sort of like the like an alternative way he could have taken this like uh if if you are a, a woman the way you prioritize your life is different and it's a shame that the corporate world is on sort of a, a male timeline i mean there's any number of ways but the right. or like you know we're trying to deny biology but like you can't really do that like it there's it's just this thing is so shaming to women and like also putting 40 years of ultimatums like there's no that this is not um this whole thing just assumes like all these terrible i mean he even said like markets are driven by fear and greed i hate this whole market bullshit like i don't like like the, the dating market thing the sexual market value like it's not actually a market we're not actually goods and we're not actually driven by scarcity and abundance and fear and greed like those are not the only things that drive like human relationships they're not everybody trying to talk about it in that way is pathological or you know or, or too male-brained you know i i think also yes. an interesting question about this is like you know, his posts aren't for women. And in fact, like, oh. you know, very funny. Um, a, a woman posted a picture of herself with a Chateau Hartiste compilation next to an Andrea Dworkin book. And it was sort of, mm. not, it was a funny, it was a funny post because she like posted her, her legs in like a sort of sexual position with these two books, right? And it was, it was sort of a joke. And in response, I jokingly responded, um, I'm breaking out my, uh, Catherine McKinnon and, and Dalrock. And, and <laughs> some other guy chimed in, basically like Chateau Hartiste and Dalrock aren't for women. Don't read this shit, right? And he was saying it in sort of a gatekeepy way, not in a warning way. But I don't think he's he's wrong. This wasn't written for women. So what is a man no. who reads it supposed to learn? And what is he what is he supposed That's, to do? That was her? yes, that was like just when we were before we started recording this and I was going over all these posts like that was the first question that I had was like the main question what is anybody who reads this supposed to do with any of this shit like you're coming up with all these theories and all these observations about like women and like female desire and like human nature and the state of humanity and like marriage delayers and this percentage of people is doing this and that but what does it give anybody who reads it it's it's not giving any tools or any strategies like you said, this isn't for women, so it's not really a warning to them. It's telling men that women are all fucked up and they're doing this. And like now they're going to be like fear-based instead of greed-based or whatever. But like it's actually not giving anybody anything. It's just giving them well, like more of the crack of the paranoia I, that they already have. I mean, it's it. this is going to sound so obnoxious when I say it anyway. It is sort of like, I mean, it's 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 a market, right? It's, it, it's capitalism at work because what Dalrak actually does is he creates or i mean not him alone but this type of thinking creates a market for women to exploit and to say well if he's right 
then I'm not like other girls. And here's what I can sell you in my persona. And thus the mm. trad thought and, you know, like mm. all of these personality, the pearly right. things have a space, right. you, you know, and it's, it's not purely the invention of, of these types of bloggers, but it's certainly bolstering oh, no. the market. Yes. That, that that's absolutely what those, those uh, personalities are. They're, they're saying, yeah, well, all these, these guys that you read have talked about this. So I know that you are looking for that unicorn and like, that's me. And it's just in that sense. Yeah, it is. It is a market. Certainly when it comes to like online personas and what people sell of themselves, but that also happens on an individual level. Like when women maybe create a dating profile or whatever, how they want to present themselves to the world, um, to men where they'll take cues from this in order to be that that thing that is not like the others, not ne Walt, now Walt or whatever. Not all women are like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess my point is over the course of a person's life, none of these factors really matter that much. And I always, mm, I just, I feel like reading this stuff is so, it's so toxic for people. And it, um, it really, it just feels awful to read just for me. It feels awful to read this shit. It, it, it does. And I really can't get over that message that, that I got that was like, no, no woman reads manosphere posts and doesn't come away from it, not hating all men. Um, and it's, you know, and yeah, like, or just not feeling like really kind of bleak and hopeless and objectified is the wrong word, but uh, dehumanized yeah, sort of dehumanized. Yes. Um, you know, another, another place that I find that this is like very salient you know, I, I, I agree, um, like generally speaking, that women are misled about the biological realities of, of pregnancy and the most advantageous times to be pregnant. Um, but the reverse is increasingly true. We're like, yes, women who are 29 or 30 are fearful that like they are not going to be able to get pregnant. And yeah, that's not fair. I mean, your body is different, but the, you know, that's the, not even close to true. Right. I mean, that like, cliff that Doll Rock's successors love to talk about is real, but it is not, it is not in your late 20s, you know? No, it's in your like early 40s, depending on your genetics. Like it's actually, if you look at the the statistics of, of people who are, and obviously this isn't going to be exact because the number of people trying to have children at age 40 is a lot lower. So you don't have as like as big of a sample size, but like, even though the percentages go down significantly past 35, we'll say it's significantly in like a statistical sense, it's still above 50% into women's forties if they want to have children. And that doesn't mean that that's the healthiest time to have them. There's a lot of reasons it's not, but it's still highly likely like women still do need to be on birth control at that age if they're having sex and don't want to have a child they still can they're still fertile and if you look at traditional societies where there were very large families women have children into their 40s just naturally or more they you know they start and they have the 14 children or whatever they have it's because they keep going women i do think were were misled about that and a lot of women come to sort of a crisis of, and, and I see it, and it's very real. I see it in friends of mine and like lots of people where they are 35 and older and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to, I want children or I didn't want children. Now I might, I always did, but I don't have children now. I'm not in a relationship. I'm not married. Like I don't, 
And it, it is a crisis or they didn't prioritize it or think about it. And to reach that age and realize that like you have to really change a lot of things or that your options are limited is, is real because that's a very significant part of life for many people. A lot of people, even for people that don't realize that it is until they get close to that, to that age. But the reverse, it's like the, this reactionary, uh, as always, this reactionary voice comes in that tells young men that women at age 25 are going downhill in terms of their egg quality and their fertility. That's just not real. It's it, it, not. Hurt, it hurts women who are, who are, you know, for whatever reason, in this space or in adjacent spaces, it's not true. It's also like exploiting the rare cases of like the women you described who are like 45. Like I certainly know a handful of women who were like artists or something. And like, they had to be like single mothers by choice and go to a sperm donor. And like, they, they didn't want to do it that way, but that was the only way they could have children. And I think I know maybe more women like that than is normal just because of my line of work, our line of work really. But like, yeah. it, it's, it, I mean, it's just so cruel. And I mean, recently, like a bug got in people's heads. It's also, like, you know, young men in their early 20s. What is it to you? Sure, what is it yeah. your business? What? Like, well, I just want you to be happy about motherhood. Right. It's, it's like, you know, I, I think you would just be so much. I mean, people say this to me all the time. Like, you would just be so much happier if you like logged off and had a family. And it's like, bitch. I don't talk about my family because you guys are fucking depraved. Like I, this is how yeah. I pay my bills, but you don't know what the fuck's going on offline. And you never yeah. will because you act like this. <laughs> exactly. And also just because I just don't, because I feel like mm, it's a boundary that is important for, for me to keep. And it's important for the people that I talk to on, on incel and my other show not to have me bring in my personal baggage into a conversation. I need to maintain some neutrality for like everybody's sake. But part of that is is how women and families can be targeted by depraved people, crazy people, or just exploitative, cruel people online. Like that's that's serious stuff. And this kind of post Dalrock here and, and that kind of messaging, the amount of time that like really young men and young women spend thinking about what women in their 30s are doing with their lives and with children who don't know anything about parenting, about long-term relationships, about marriage, about divorce, about, you know, life, really. The amount of time that like young people spend speculating on it is not, it's not, not normal and it's not Christian and it's not healthy. That's part of what I don't like about this guy. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think my final note on this is one, this, you know, this is kind of a skewed sample. These are like not necessarily random posts, but like this isn't the the whole breadth of thought in the manosphere. And two, as much as we had some like negative reactions to some of these posts, not everything Dollarock says is bad. Um, and you know, in the same way, like actually everything Bruce said was bad. You know, there's no I forget it. He's on my shit list for life. Um <laughs> But I have, you know, I have talked to Manosphere bloggers, some quite popular, some, you know, less popular, and um, they're people. I mean, they're all they're all super different. Oh my god! So, yeah, I mean, some yeah, it, I, it, like genuine like friends of mine, buddies who I think are smart and funny, and I totally get it. I what I get what they're doing. I get what they what they think and why they think about it. I, you know, when you get past like the the foreboding words and like the posts, I don't know what this guy is like as a person. I, I don't know anything about him. But like a lot of people are 
leaning into a, a persona a bit. They're exaggerating. It's hyperbole. It's branding. It's to make a certain point. It's to to have a good argument like Obsidian, for instance, like I think he's hilarious and he's very persuasive. And like when I'm listening to him talk and I'm laughing and I'm kind of agreeing with the things he says, but just taken on their own, especially to be read by like how this also this Dalrock is a humorless cunt. That's another thing I don't like about him. He like most of them, Manisferians are quite funny, you know? Yeah, he's he's a he's a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so take that with your, the whole idea about like women not caring um, if men are funny, because I think most women kind of do. And the, how humorless this guy is, is a big strike against him. Is that it for our, our brief foray into, into the manosphere? Yeah. I think our, our brief foray went for, for two hours and yeah. Wow. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe this will be a two-parter. Who knows? This was a good episode. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, this is this was a uh, this was fun. Yes. Yeah. Last night a DJ saved my life. Last night a DJ saved my life from a broken heart. Last night.